You're listening to the Redeemer London podcast. For more information, visit our website at redeemerlondon.org. Great. So as you can see, the fruit of the um, week this week is um, peace, the fruit of peace. So we are going to have a poem written by Steve, read to us by Sydney. Thank you so much, Sydney. The fruit of the spirit is peace. A pause. A choice of disconnection. A slow examination of a proposed change in direction. An opening. An invitation. A deliberate fresh hearing. A much needed punctuation. A calming. A stilling. A waiting. A spacing. A surrender. A release. A long, deep breath and an unexpected, even deeper, God-given peace. Great, thank you so much, Sydney, for that. We are going to have now Kayla read to us from the Bible. We've been looking at Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit, and it's good just to get it in context. So thanks very much, Kayla. Hey, church, today we're reading from Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 to 26. So I say, live by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you're led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Society can be full of stress. Do you know that I read this week that you can spend eight months of your life opening junk mail. You can spend a whole year looking for misplaced objects. You can spend two years of your life waiting for other people to answer the phone. (laughs) Now, some of you might think, oh, there's just silly examples of stress. But I guess if we're really honest, for many of us, our personal appearance can cause stress. Social media causes stress. Why, Why have they got a great life and I haven't? Relationships can cause stress. Money, lack of money causes stress. Work, children, family, health. There can be so many things that cause stress. There was a survey in 2018 and they reckon that 74% of the UK were so stressed in the previous year that they were overwhelmed or unable to cope. There was another study of 5 million tweets This is off Twitter. And they discovered that the most stressful place in London is the borough of Dagenham and Barkin. (laughs) 
Yeah, East London. I'm glad I live in West. And it was on a Tuesday afternoon. Not that London is the most stressful place. They reckon the most stressful place in the UK is Cardiff. And all of these facts came out pre-COVID-19. Corrie Ten Boom, she was a Christian watchmaker. She said this, worry doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. So how do we cope with stress? Well, in the 1960s, they thought the solution for stress was going to be technology. Honestly, they thought that by the year 1985, that the biggest problem we would have would be boredom. They reckon that we would only need to work 22 hours a week because of technology. We would only work for 27 weeks of the year and we could all retire by the time we were 38. We know that's not the case. How do we cope with stress today? 53%, so if there's two of you watching this screen, it's either you or the other one, 53% cope with stress by watching TV or Netflix. 46% cope by listening to music. 32% cope by taking a bath. 25% cope by eating snacks. I guess, if we're really honest, we all live in a stress-filled society. And that's why I love the Bible, because it's so relevant to us today. The Bible has loads to say about peace. Paul writes the words, he wrote the book of Galatians that we're looking at, but he writes the word grace and peace in all 13 letters that he's written in the New Testament. In fact, the word peace is used 84 times that is every single book out of the 27 in the New Testament. In fact, if you go through the whole Bible, it's 249 times. Peace is a strong, strong theme in the Bible. Mm. What is peace? It's a confidence and rest in the wisdom and control of God rather than in your own self. It replaces worry and anxiety. I guess the fake version is, is indifference. Maybe it's cynicism, where you no longer care and you don't have a heart. The Bible teaches us that we're to have peace in, in every area of our life. If I had time, I could read them all to you. You could jot them down. You'd have peace in your home. It tells us that in 1 Corinthians 7 verse 15. There is to be peace amongst the nations. No to racism. It tells us that in Ephesians 2.14. There is to be peace in the church. We're to be a united community. It tells us that in Colossians 3.15. In fact, we are to show peace to all people. It tells us that in Hebrews 12 verse 14. In fact, 1 Peter 3 verse 11 says that you are to strive. That means make every effort to achieve or obtain peace. See, peace is a key theme in the Bible, and that is the fruit that we are looking at today. Now, again, I think in society, we can think of this in, in a negative thing. You know, if I've got no conflict, I know peace. But in the Bible, peace was a positive concept. It was about wholeness and salvation. The Greek word for peace really meant harmony, 
And the Hebrew word really meant total well-being, freedom from fear and want. They often used to say the word shalom, which meant, you know, contentment in your relationship with God, others and creation. You see, God is a God of peace. The hymn book of the Old Testament was really the book of Psalms. And in Psalm 29, it says the Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. So in this stress-filled society, we can know a God who gives peace to his people. We don't often quote uh, uh, Isaiah 9 during the middle of the year. If you go to church at all at Christmas, you may hear it read at a carol service because this was Isaiah the prophet describing the Messiah. And one of the names that he gives to him is this. It goes, he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I believe that peace and God, there's two different ways this occurs. I think the first is that we get peace with God. You can know peace with God. In Romans 5 verse 1 it says, therefore since we have been justified through faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the gospel. The gospel is this, that we've done wrong. We think, say, do things that are wrong. We don't do the perfect that we should do and the Bible calls that sin. That causes a barrier between us and God. We don't have peace with God. But then Jesus died in our place. He took the punishment we deserve so that now we can be adopted in God's family. Now we can be called children of God. We can call him our father. We have peace with God, not because of what we have done, but because of what he has done. Mm -hmm. Isaiah, the one I was telling you about who called him the Prince of Peace, goes on to say in Isaiah 53, referring to Jesus, he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, the punishment that brought us peace was on him. I've often quoted this book so I thought I ought to give it a little wave out today. This is Christopher Wright, Cultivating the Fruit of the Spirit. He says this, peace as Paul describes it is serious business. It's not just a nice, happy feeling. It is the heart of the gospel and the glory of God. So we can know peace with God. But the second aspect, which I believe is what the fruit of the spirit is, is know the peace of God. Jesus told his disciples in what's known the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6. Do not worry. You can know peace. Jesus was comforting his disciples before he went to the cross. And we read that in John 14. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you the world as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Jesus knew that his disciples were going to face difficult times. I loved Logan's testimony at the start of our service. There's going to be some challenging times adopting, fostering in his marriage, in his work. But you can know the peace of God. Another book that I read this week said this, where peace is lacking, Christ and the spirit are missing. We are to be people of peace because we know Jesus Christ and we know the fruit of the spirit. So what about you? How does this peace impact you? 
Well, I, I still think there's challenges with our society. I think that we divide life into the public and the private. I think we, we even talk about my personal relationship with Jesus. We compartmentalise life. We, we have work, we have church, we have home, we have social, we have neighbours. We, we get caught up in defending our own rights. We become independent and then we think, God, I'm, I'm just not sure I know peace. I think the Bible's got two clear pictures that help us here. One is baptism. You see, in baptism, you die to yourself and you live for him. Well, I think that is very significant if we're going to know peace. The other is the body. The body is a picture of the church. And, and the reality is that we should know peace because we are part of this church. It's not about me. It's about we. So let's be really, really practical. How does this peace impact you? The first thing I want to say, and I've just got three quick things to say, trust God. Isaiah, he's come up a lot. Big prophet in the Old Testament, 66 chapters. He says in chapter 26, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. In COVID, we don't know quite the future. We don't know when social distancing is reduced from two to one metres. We don't really know when we could fly and do life as normal, go back to the theatre. Let's make sure we trust in God. Mm. The second practical thing is this, is by prayer and thanksgiving. Paul writes to the church, I, I, I should have done the whole sermon just on Philippians really, there's so much to cover in Philippians 4, he writes from prison to the church and says this, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We can know peace because we pray and give thanks to God. And finally, I would like to challenge us. Our peace should flow to other people. Peace is not something that's kept to ourselves. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. The reality is that the fruit that we have, other people should, oh wow, this peace flows. I was reading this week about Dr. Martin Luther King. He was threatened that someone was going to blow up his house with his wife and his children. He got to the point, he thought, I, I just don't know if I can keep going on this. He was obviously there for rights. Fighting the inequality in the States at that time. And then he says this quote, I'm at the end of my powers. I have nothing left. I have come to the point where I can't face it alone. At that moment, I experienced the presence of the divine as I had never experienced God before. Almost at once, my fears began to go. My uncertainty disappeared. I was ready to face anything. He said that I've experienced the peace of God. His house was blown up literally the next day. 
And when the crowd gathered and they wanted to go and find the bomber, it was then that he stood up and said, no, we want to pursue non-violent disobedience. The peace that he discovered in God could change that whole way of demonstrating. We are to be those that know this peace. This is a fruit of the spirit. As Kayla read, we're to live by the spirit, be led by the spirit, keep in step with the spirit and to exhibit this fruit of peace, even in a stressful society. Billy Graham, known by many as a great preacher, says only the Holy Spirit can give us peace in the storm of restlessness and despair. I don't know how you feel on Father's Day. But I honestly believe God wants you to know peace. I think the danger is on days like this, we we think of real men, I don't know, James Bond, don't we? He seems calm in overwhelming difficulties, tracking down baddies and blowing them up with expensive gadgets. I would like to suggest real men know peace from God and that peace they pass on to their wife, to their children, to their work colleagues, to their neighbours. There's a prayer that is associated, I'm not sure if he actually said it, with St Francis of Assisi. And I'd like to pray it for all of us. And when I finish this, Toby and the team are going to lead us in a a song of response. Let's just pray this. Lord, make me an instrument of thy peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon where there is doubt, faith, where there is despair, hope, where there is darkness, light, where there is sadness, joy. Mm 